Welcome to the Business Influencer Podcast, where we'll be interviewing and exploring the success stories of entrepreneurs, business leaders, senior policymakers, and getting insights from thought leaders around the issues of the day. And we'll be delving into and analyzing the latest around tech, geopolitics, finance, economics, leadership, entrepreneurship, global business, property law, philanthropy, and life. Uh, this podcast is available on all platforms. For those of you who prefer to watch, we have the Natural Media YouTube channel. Please subscribe, pop over, and you can watch all the interviews. Uh, you can also follow the show's updates on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. My name is Ninda Johal. I'm the co-founder of The Natural Group, The Signature Awards, and the co-publisher of The Business Influencer magazine. And I will be your host for the show. Uh, in this episode, we investigate the effects of COVID on certain industries. Uh, while they've been clearly winners, largely in the digital space, uh, we know that in others, such as the event sector, uh, they have really, truly suffered. Uh, so today we speak to Brad Burton, an entrepreneur who set up a, a hugely successful networking business, uh, and events business, of course. Uh, so we ask him, how did he cope? Uh, how did he have to adapt his leadership style to this new, unanticipated threat? Uh, and, and by the way, he's also a very successful author and a fantastic keynote speaker. So let's pop over and find out from Brad Burton, how did he cope? Good morning, Brad. How are you? As always, Ninda, kicking backside, I'm good. I tell you, um, normally, and I don't mean this as a slight, normally I, I, I have to take ages preparing for the podcast. Right. You know, content. You know, it's easy with you because hmm. I've just seen you that many times, heard you that many times. It's quite, does that make sense? Does oh, that make sense? Complete sense. You know, you've got a background there, so you kind of know my strengths, you know, my weaknesses because I'm stupid enough to share both of them. <laughs> right. So look, look, um, I, I'm going to kick in on a, on, on pragmatic side. I know you've got a very interesting journey to tell us and, and we'll weave that in, but look, it's um, the roadmap has been given by the government. Um, uh, the, the industry that was hit first mm. and appears to be the last to come out is the events industry. And, and I'm intrigued to know about you, how you cope because you run an events company uh, you went through the turmoil, as did all of us, yep. of suddenly finding out that our business model was redundant while this coronavirus is, was in was in sort of mm. it was just ripping the whole globe apart. That's it, yeah. but, but 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 what you did though, um, you didn't sit around. Um, you you moved very quickly to a digital platform. So so a couple of things I'd like to know is when did you think? When did you realize? Oh dear, we're in trouble. <laughs> Then what was the thought process about flipping to saying, actually, we better flip to something else? And, and, and I suppose in your answer, it's probably going to come through. How did you as a leader mentally cope? You know, how did you cope? Listen, how did you manage to keep your team focused? And of course, most important of all, how did you deal with your clients? So sorry, a lot of questions. Listen, but I'm hopefully you can roll them all up. I feel like I feel like Boris Johnson on the lectern here. I've just got my pen out and actually wrote them down. Um, <laughs> so, 
first things first, I'm a big computer gamer and I've played computer games for last, what, my 48, for the last 38 years. And the reason I say that, you think, well, what's that? How's that relevant? It's relevant because I have played enough computer games to know that in the event of, of, of a pandemic without a vaccine, you've got yourself a problem. So I was on this last November or November 2019. I was kind of on it. But whenever it, when it first started murmuring, I was on this. And I'm saying, this is coming our way. We're not sitting the borders. This is definitively coming our way. So I was panic buying eight weeks before anyone else was panic buying. Right, and I'm, I'm being serious there. I was going in there and I was getting my, my pastor and doing this, that and the other, and the shelves were all stocked. So this is a valuable lesson for you here, is that actually why wait? Often in life, people wait to see what happens. If you wait to see what happens, let me tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna be out of business. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. The shelves are gonna be empty. So I don't wait. When I see something, I move fast. And that's one of the, I think, one of my, my cornerstones of everything that I stand for. And there's a kind of background as to why I move fast. I think there's a lessons in the past. We may get to that later as to why I move yeah. so fast I could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew that this was coming our way. There's computer games, like I say, where you see this and the next thing you've got civil war and everything going on. And I thought that could be a possibility. I genuinely thought this could be not a civil war, but you could have military in yeah. the streets and stuff. And, and OK, it didn't happen, but I was prepared for that. Now, my business for networking uh, back then, we run 5,000 business networking meetings across the UK, face-to-face -face networking meetings every single year. So 5,000, so effectively, is it 250? Uh, yeah, 250 every, every two weeks. Oh, I can't do the math on it. So yeah, 250 every week, uh, every fortnight around the UK, literally everywhere. <clears throat> and I started that business in 2006. I kind of knew this was coming down the track. So I'd already started on this process of thinking, can we take our full networking format, thousands of members across the UK, membership organization, can we take it online? And literally, uh, as of now, it's about a year ago when this kind of happened. And my business, let's say for the sake of this conversation, 100 grand plus a month coming through the door and um, nothing to nothing, like instantly nothing. Now, this is the bit where people start panicking. Oh my God, oh my God. What is the point in panicking? Panicking solves nothing. And one of the things that I realize I'm a motivational speaker is I spend more time in the solution than in the problem. You know, I've got a friend of mine who's an SES man and he taught me various things. But one of the things that he said, he said, when they train you as in the SES, they, they throw you with all your gear on into a 10 foot swell of a raging river and you've got to get yourself out of it. Now, if you are Ryan in there, we're thrown into the river. We'd be going, oh my God, I'm going to drown. SES person, boom, they get themselves from the, the, from the river into onto the bank mentally. And they say, right, what do we need to do? That saved me because I took myself out of the situation. I took myself out of the maelstrom of everyone panicking. And I went, right, what does this make possible? That is your watchword. What does this make possible? And it made possible for me to take four networking online. Now, you never know if something's going to work when you start out. Got no idea. But what I can tell you is it did. We've run over 3,000 networking meetings in the last 12 months. You know, we took it online. My turnover is down 60, 70%. So what? We survived. And if all you've been doing right now is surviving, that's okay. So I'm good with everything that, that's, that, you know, that came our way. There was a few, couple of times where, if you imagine that, you, that, you, that you're reading a book and you've got the main character and he's going through a really tough bit. <clears throat> that's what I was like last year. And I said to myself, this is not how this story ends. And I had to resolve myself and get myself uh, strong. And yet I wasn't. You know, as a leader, people expect you to be strong. And I've got big team around me. I'm having some tough conversations. Hey, guys, I know we owe you some money, but we don't have any. 
I'm good for it. I've been doing this for 15 years. I'm telling you right now, I will sort you out. Every debt that I owe, I will square. But you need to give me time. And I had these conversations. I had all my team, hundreds of team online and doing a Zoom conversation. Tough conversations. And I'll tell you the other thing that did. Once again, you play, it's like playing poker. Um, you've got a pair of twos. You might as well go all in. So actually with my network, when it went kaput <clears> on <throat> whatever it was when we said we couldn't lock, you know, lock down, I actually went online to my members and I said, we are days away from collapse as an organisation. Nothing to do with me, no mismanagement, no misappropriation of funds, nothing to do with me, it's to do with COVID. We are going to take full networking offline, online. And what happens over the next few days is going to dictate whether full networking continues or full networking fails. I'm asking you as a full networking member to support us in actually building that. And that's what we did. And, and, and that video is going to be amazing because it's going to tip up on my, um, my Facebook at some point to say, hey, this is a year away. And I'm really going to share the hell out of that. And it's going to be amazing. I, I think that, Brad, that, that, that was very interesting because I saw you um, speak and you were very transparent. And that's almost, that's about you and leadership, really. You're, you're very open. You've got a very open style of leadership. I remember you walking in, it was on Facebook. You walked into your office with your keys and you said, I'm shutting this place down now. And it's quite extraordinary. Um, mm. And then, of course, you had to say, well, look, look, I'm not shutting the business down, but I'm just shutting this place down. Because like, some people didn't quite click onto that. Mm. They didn't quite. But I was I was amazed by how open you were, how you walked in. And on a camera, you were telling the world, this is the real state of state of affairs. And, and I think, uh, again, a sort of tick to your personality. The fact that you were able to keep your team together in those difficult times says a lot about what you've built up with your team over the years, that they were able to accommodate, understand, and truly believe in what you said. But that's you using years of hard work in keeping your team together so they trusted you. So leadership is about trust. Linda, one of the things that I say to my team, if I say there's a problem, there's a problem. If I say that problem you're bringing to me isn't a problem, it's not a problem. And that's what happened here, is that I am like I am brutally honest, right, to a fault in every element of my life. I've almost got no filter. Um, but from a leadership perspective, let me just reverse up as to why I'm so honest. You know, am I Brad Burton, the, the four-time best-selling author, the UK's number one motivational business speaker, the founder of Four Networking, or am I Brad Burton, the guy who's been addicted to drugs twice? the guy who got uh, done four years on benefits, the guy who's left school with no qualifications, who got shot at when he was 21, and, and, and you know, and delivered pizza at 31. The reason I share that is there's two sides of the same coin. Every single individual who's watching this right now can rewind to a time that actually there's something they wouldn't have been proud of or something that's a different version of them. And by sharing it, like I do, no one's got anything on me. Because I tell you something, if I would have tried to keep that contained, I would have been carrying that. It would have been like a pebble in the shoe. So by sharing it, no one's got anything. There's not one thing, right, that the mail online can get on me that isn't in my books. So if the mail online said, well, you do realise, um, you know, he got addicted to drugs twice, don't you? There you go. In 2011, Brad wrote that in the, in the book, Get Off Your Ass to whatever, right? So, so, so by doing that, by, that honesty piece, I permeate that throughout my life. I'm a man of my word. When Pippa, as my managing director for networking, came along and, and to my organisation, I said to her four years ago, I said, you know what, Pips? <clears throat> I said, 92% of people 
do not do what they say they're going to do. <laughs> you asked Pippa four years on, <laughs> and she'll tell you that 92% of people do not do what they say they're going to do. I am part of the 8%. I'm part of the 8%. And that's what I said. I said to my guys, we are going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And the way we're going to get through this is together. We, I mean, it's going to be bruising, but we're going to get through this. That's what I said to my guys. I said, let me be quite clear. And the other thing is, is I'm like a Conor McGregor of business. You know, explosive, bang, 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 bang. Two rounds out of there, knockout, spectacular, show real. And I'll tell you something, my coach said to me, he said, you know what, Brad, that strategy is not going to work here. You can't win on strength. You need to win on stamina. You need to save some in the tank. You need to end strong. And that's exactly what happened. However, <laughs> let me be quite clear. Last year, I had a burnout. Back in 2012, I had a nervous breakdown. And uh, I'm all right now, right? 2012. And actually, it took me two and a half years to get myself mentally strong again. Two and a half years. Last year, with this whole COVID thing, I'm having to... I've got not only financial situations, I've got wifey worried, I've got my mum worried, I've got all these people that are supporting my private renting group worried, and I'm having to keep it together. And actually, you know, I go to the gym and when I lift the weight up, there comes a point when that weight's too heavy for me. Your brain's a muscle, same principle. So there comes a point when you can only take so much, and that is it. It's like having a pint pot and having it filled and putting more in, all that's happening, it's spilling, and now you're getting paranoid about all the spills everywhere. That's what happened. And I'll give you an example of how bad this was. My wife said to me, do you want a cup of tea or coffee? Um, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> Big decision. <laughs> mate, mate, look, look at my, my razor sharp, you know, ability to make decisions. And yet I was gone, shot to pieces because the pressure got to me. And I'll tell you, when the first lockdown eased up or whatever, I brought my mum over, she's 75. She stayed here overnight. I dropped her off. I came back, had a lie down and I couldn't move. I started sweating, sweating profusely, started shaking. This is last year, Brad, shaking, shaking uncontrollable. And if you've ever seen that like, World War I footage of, of a guy who's shell-shocked, and you go, why is, he, why is he shaking? That's what a nervous breakdown is. That's what nervous system burnout is. It's gone. Your ability to control yourself has gone. Now, you know, I pushed my team so hard last year because, and I described it as a strong metaphor, but I'm going to share it. It was like coming down the stairs at the Twin Towers. I'm tired. I don't care. Keep running. I'm tired. I don't care. Keep running. And that's what I did. I pushed my team and I beasted them. And I've apologised since, but they recognised that if I'd not done that, there would be no four networking. There'd be no network central. There'd be no one network. All these things would have gone. And this is the thing, you know, and I'll tell you, when you look at the background that I've come from, I just shared the other side of the coin, that served me beautifully to get through this. When you've been shot at, Ninda, Oh, I've got a council tax bill going out next week. Oh, I've got a bill, an invoice. Oh, what's your stress levels on a scale of one to 10? Oh, it's an eight. Try putting two bullets through your window. See how what your eight is then about your council it, tax it, bill. It, right? it, it, hard, it hardens you, hardens you. And it recalibrates. So if you've yeah. ever played back in the day, Dungeons and Dragons, right? 1983 or role-playing games, not like that, Linda. Role-playing games, right? Or you played a computer game. You know, what's the difference between a level one wizard and a level 20 wizard, a level one wizard got two magic missiles, can fight a couple of kobolds, and then they need to rest or have a mana potion to rejig. Re a level 20 wizard, fireballs, flame shields, summoning dragons, can fight tens of orcs. What's the difference? The difference is between a level one wizard and a level 20 wizard is the battles that they've overcome and the experience that they picked up from that. But with so many people, they, they deal with stuff just enough to get away from the, the, the pain or what it's causing them. 
or they might even they don't even win the fight. They just get ninety five percent there and they move away from it. And then they, that's why people end up in bad places. Oh, I'm in a bad place again. Why is that? Because you've not learnt from the original fight. I look back and I go back to everything that's happened in my life and I say, right, what have I learnt from this? I go back and get the experience. No point in just having a fight and winning. You've got to get the experience and that's what levels you up. And that's what I think kind of served me or my background served me beautifully yeah. the last year. I, I think you're absolutely right. So you were open with your team. You were very open with your clients because I saw it myself. Hmm. But what feedback did you get from the client? What did they say back to you when they yeah. saw this real open, transparent message and plea because of what was going on? about you that around you that was not of your fault yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rules of engagement changed the normal convention rules changed when this all happened and this is what people look when this is over right and it's getting there now i'm really confident that we are getting to that point there's going to be a column and on that column is going to be losers and on the column is the column is going to be winners and it's the winners that are people who are stupid enough to do the unconventional. See, look at me as a motivational speaker. How many other motivational speakers do you know that wear, you know, shaved head tattoos and jeans and trainers and so forth and look like drug dealers? I'm not a drug dealer, by the way, anymore. We can all change. But the point I'm making, right, is that, you know, somewhere along the way, that unconventionalness is what has elevated me because I tried to compete in the old world. So in, when I was in, in corporate, let's say loose layer, I was always a middle manager, right? Because I'd never, my face wouldn't fit. So I'd end up with a three-piece suit and a pocket watch and I'd be pink socks, right? And a pink shirt, because you look at the way the apprentice doing a pink tie, nonsense. So I was always the northerner who looks like an idiot wearing a suit. So at the very point when I, everything changes, when I said hang about, break the, the mold, change the script. You've been given a playbook here you're the, 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 let's say, the, the Scrabble world champion. And then society's telling you to play Monopoly. But, but no. you were, um, I mean, I did a, a seminar. Mm. I know you referred to it very much earlier on. But you were actually a role model in crisis management. Oh, because nice. not, only, not only did you start preparing for the crisis, because that's what they say. Crisis management not is how you deal with a crisis today, how you prepared for it. Mm. So you prepared for it well. Then they say, in the middle of the crisis, the leader has to lead from the front and has to be open and not hide and disappear. And, 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 and Brad, a, a lot of businesses, particularly in the events industry, have just disappeared. And I mean, not disappeared as in they're not trading. You just don't see them. Yeah. They're not anywhere to be seen. Uh, some of them um, have started to do other things. I mean, I, I moved into publishing, as you know. Um, mm. Yeah, great magazine, but, by the way, like genuinely great magazine. Thank you very much. And uh, so I, I moved, but a lot of uh, a lot of business just disappeared and just weren't upfront or visible. So actually, you've done both. You preempted the crisis, and during the crisis, you led. So, so what did clients say to you? Did they say, "Sorry, mate, don't like this digital stuff. Word off," or "Yes, yes we'll support you"? No, or no, we, it was it was it was terrible. I had people saying, we want refunds. We've got, you know, three months worth of membership left. We want refunds. And I said, you know, oh, what a pause my membership. I said, listen, I said, firstly, we're not giving refunds away because actually the business collapses. So I need it. Let me be quite clear. I'll pause your membership if you really want to, or you can get in. The default position was this. Uh, well, you're out of order. You're profiteering. You're profiteering. This is what we had. I did like loads of people saying you're profiteering. How can you charge money for online networking? When Zoom's free, well, the license we've got is not free and the infrastructure that we've yeah. got is not free. And A lot of people don't realise that. A lot of people don't realise that. They think it's free. They think everything's free. 
let me tell you something. If I didn't have the infrastructure in place and we did networking for free, how long do you reckon it would be before all of a sudden it collapsed? Two weeks, I reckon. I think it'd be, <clears throat> this is the difference. So many business networks start off. I've been going for 15 years now, 15 years with one business network, not one year with that, two years with that, three years doing Bitcoin, selling candles, doing utilities. No, 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 15 years. That's half of my adult life, a third of my life devoted to one thing. That's Brent, what Brent, people pay for. Brent, Brent, just picking that point up, hmm. um, and we'll explore now why you did set up events. Because you set up events deliberately because it was based around relationships, around one-to-one. -one. It wasn't just about sales. Uh, you wanted another element. And that, of course, was its strength. But then equally, some might argue it's Achilles' heel <laughs> because you were really, you know, it really was. So, so just, just to explain so, 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 for networking, yeah, so, so, what was the rationale behind that? And why did you bother? Why, why did you set up? A networking well, business when there's lots around. Brilliant. So in 2004, <clears throat> 2004, there's lots of motivational speakers. Only one is daft enough to be this guy. And that's the thing. I looked at this whole thing in 2004. I, I, I walked out of a job December the 16th and uh, started my own business off. And then I got invited to networking. Back in the day, 2005, political terms, the loony left of networking, where nothing quite happens. You go there, Chablis, Volivants, mm, very nice. Mm, mm, mm. Looking for someone like a lost child, looking for someone you know. Then you've got the mayor talking about the local parking provision. No one cares. And everyone's pretending they care. Looney left for networking, school disco. Hard right, where's your leads? Where's your referrals? You have to attend. Where was the mainstream of networking? Back in the day, there was eCademy online. And I'm thinking, none of this has been joined together. None of it. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. So the best we've got is eCademy online. Right, that doesn't appeal to me. The loony left doesn't appeal to me. The hard right doesn't appeal to me. Where is the mainstream? I based for networking on New Labour 1997. I made the establishment look old fashioned and fuddy duddy. I wanted a meritocracy where you stood and fall, not based on the car you've got, but based on your ability, based on you being a man or a woman of your word. Started for networking off with uh, 25,000 pounds in personal debt, as in gaff cars and televisions are no longer owned. So it was hardly ideal. Bank manager laughed in my face. People told me it'd never work. And if they'd listened to those people, they'd have been absolutely right. Anyway, for networking, I started off 50% social, 50% business. Now, here's the thing. Where for networking differs from any other network in the, in the land, any other network, no other network does this, is that as a member of for networking, you can go to any single group. So I went to 15, 14 meetings in, in one week just to prove the point. So I'm driving around the UK. 14 meetings. So right now, there'll be 11, 12, 13 online meetings running today. No one does that. As a member, you can go to any of them. So if you want to teleport to Scotland and you're meet, you know, you're gonna gonna relocate to Scotland, you can go to there. No one's ever done that before. Now, as you said, gifting the curse of this one. Been going for 15 years, so we've done okay. What I recognized last year, and this is the whole thing about lockdown, is I came up with something new. I thought to myself, I'm gonna create another network. So we've got one networking now which is single sector, category lockout, blah, 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 blah. And people go, oh, it's just copied. It's not copied, let me explain something. The only way it's copied is if, I've, if, if, if Tesla have copied BMW, if Nando's have copied KFC, right? I've not copied in any way or form. I've done something so revolutionary, so revolutionary that it's just blowing everyone's socks off because what I've managed to do, this is, this is, this is uh, one networking. What I've managed to do is I've changed the game again. So not only have we got four networking, which is established 15 years, we've now got one networking. Let me just, just, just share this about the one networking thing. 
for networking in the first year, 2006, we launched 11 groups in the Southwest in 12 months. One networking, we've launched our 12th group in five months. It is, um, we, we're the fastest growing network in, 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 in the UK, from my knowledge, back in the day. We're now outpacing that and people don't even know about it. Once again, I'm sneaking on the UK because of the nature of doing it. People don't just underestimate me every step of the way. So I've got one networking, right? Single sector. I've got four networking. I've also got three networking, speed networking like you've never seen before. Once again, I create a field of one. So whilst people have been laughing at me and going, Brad's thick is an old, and there's this, that, and the other, that's cool. I'm good with that. And you're always going to get people. And this is what everyone needs to understand from a leadership perspective. It is part of it. You're going to find people that don't like you, that don't agree with you, right? No hair, turban, whatever. There's always going to be a reason. So the only way that I can get people to, 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 to like me is by changing who I am. And you know, the, the, the single person that needs to like is me, need to like myself, and I do. And that's where people go wrong. And this is why we end up in this vanilla world where people believe that you need to be formal and professional. People say, you're not very professional, Brad. I invoice, I get paid. I've got a house and a dream that I could never imagine happening. What am I missing? I had someone on social media, Clubhouse, turn around and say, you've got self-limiting beliefs? I'm a northerner, <laughs> northerner, no qualifications, deliver pizzas at 31. I've written four books. I've run a, a successful businesses and, and, and I'm living a life that I could never dream. Oh, and I get my motivational speaker, by JTV, Bentley, Costa, Zero. The list really goes on at the highest level. And yet I've got self-limiting beliefs and this is what people get wrong is they are playing to somebody else's drum. Stop it. One size doesn't fit all. Ninda, if I go and get a three-piece suit from Savile Row, you know, and it fits me beautifully, it would look terrible on you and vice versa. And this is the thing. One size doesn't fit all. Do what you want to do in your life. And there's a whole lot more people who are a lot more wealthier than me, but I do not know a single person, and I'm not just saying this, true story, I do not know a single person who is genuinely as happy or as content as me. And that is it. When you're happy and content, you don't need to go and buy that stuff because you're happy and content. When you're unhappy, when you're discontented, that's when you start spending money on stuff that actually to believe that that's where happiness or contentment resides. And I'm at a point in my life, I'm almost like a modern day hippie from Salford, right? I'm at a point in my life where I'm so happy and content. It's a bit like playing pontoon, you know, blackjack and you've got to get 21. And somebody says, well, you know, um, what, I'm, on, I'm on an 18. I'm on an 18 and I'm quite happy sticking. Some people just got to keep twisting. Stop it. It's where you see these amazing businesses collapse. Stop it. Get content, get happy, and the rest will follow. We'll pick up what success looks like a bit later on. Uh, just before we move off events, I, by the way, I love the loony left and the, uh, and the righteous right. right. Yeah. I've never heard somebody describe an event like that. I'm no, but you get it, though. Linda, you, you know, you do get it, don't you? Uh, let me yeah, just I get it. I, listen, I've been to both. I've been to both. I've I've seen the how many contacts, what was your day like, what's your wins like? Oh god. And I've been to the other side where you walk away and say, What did I learn? Uh, Linda, let, me tell, right. let me tell you something about this whole thing. If you and I are in a referral network where we've got to bring referrals, and I don't have a referral this week, and nor do you, and you're gonna get in trouble. We're in the car park, I'm gonna go, Ninda, yeah, I've not got a referral. Can I say I've got one for you? And you go, Of course, Brad, can I do the same? <laughs> and you go, Now listen, here's the thing: if you and I are doing it. Everyone else is doing it. So all of a sudden, you're in this strange game where you're all bit players and you're all playing it. And this is why I have broke it down. Referrals, introductions, opportunities. I've split the process behind it. I've made it more sensible, more modern. 
And that's the thing, and this is what's great about it is because I come at things from a completely different perspective and completely forget what's gone before. If I woke up out of a coma, right, after 40 years, would I create a franchise the way that it's always been done? No, I would do it differently. And this is what I'm doing. I'm in this process of, of, of almost looking at things fresh, not the way they've always been done. I'm saying, how would you do it today with the ingredients, with the world, with the internet, with the world that we're in? How would you do it today? And you said it wouldn't do it the way it was always, always done. So looking forward on the event side, and then we'll pick up on the other stuff. Right, so we've got the roadmap. Uh, June, hopefully there's no variants. 22nd, yeah, 21st, yeah. not that Hopefully um, people don't go berserk and, and, and completely mess up the data. Uh, so assuming all of that comes to play, assuming non-essentials open in April, assuming in June the events business can open again. So two questions for you. Are you going to continue with the digital? Are you bringing back the physical? And how are you going to manage the two? And, and how are you now going to look at your team and the whole shebang? You, you, you left your offices. Do you intend to now always work remotely with your team? Is that now a permanent? Are you never going back to, to that? And then, and I suppose it's, it's that really. Is it hybrid? Are you going back to where you were? Yeah. Or how, 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 what does the future look like for you okay. from an so, events perspective, so, assuming everything goes well? <laughs> So let me tell you something. I have just booked a venue, Aston Villa, for September the 22nd, September the 23rd, two-day event, the business networking show, followed by uh, my Now What Live. That's how confident I am. Let me explain. As soon as the world opens, imagine what it's going to be like for Nando's. Nando's is going to be like queuing around the block like he's 1977 for Star Wars. This is where this whole bounce back is going to go lunacy. Absolute lunacy. Um, so here's where we are. First and foremost, probably what's, what's really interesting to know after 12 months, we're more profitable than we've ever been in, in 11 years. It's well mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. My head is blown off. We're 60 70% down, and we're more profitable. What is going on? So here's the thing. And this is what you think to yourself. We've been on a hamster wheel, offices, traveling. Da -da -da -da. Why? Well, because we've always done it. Yeah, but spinning a plate. Why are you spinning that plate, Nindo? Well, because we've always done it. Yeah, but why are you doing it? Well, because, no, I get that, but why are you doing it? Because if I don't spin it, it'll fall. Right? Yeah, but... So so let me explain where we are. For networking, uh, in June or that, that week, four weeks commencing it, we've got 44 groups. Top secret, you've got an, you've got an exclusive here. 44 groups that are going to be popped up boom, around the UK. We are all prepped up, ready for it. Then what we're going to do is we're going to start easing the network back in. We've kept, we've maintained the network through your online stuff. Don't forget, we've also got one networking, three networking, four networking, like the Thunderbirds, and we've got two networking coming that nobody knows about. We launched it on that date at the business networking show. However, what we're going to do is we will start bringing it. No one is going to move as fast as us. You look at what we did. Whilst other people, other networks are waiting to see what happens, let me tell you what's happening. Those members are coming to us. Uh, we are going to move fast, 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 fast. We was going to go back um, and launch uh, real events, um, like a big event in June. We're not doing that. We're going to let that confidence come back. We're going to get the hunger. But what we're going to do is get these live. Then what's going to happen is after these 44, we'll start getting more solid groups in that will start forming. Bear in mind, you know, it's a, it's a whole lot easier to get through a minefield following someone who's got through a minefield. I've built a network from nothing. 
back in the day. So I managed to get it all the way to, to Scotland from no, knowing anyone by just edging forward. I know people now, so I can I can just press the buttons and go. But what's going to happen in real terms is we're going to have a hybrid model, I think, which is like, let's say you're, you're over in Solihull. And the old ways is we meet in Solihull Brewers Fair every fortnight. Well, what we're going to do now is we're going to meet uh, once in the face-to-face -face, and then the Solihull meeting will run online uh, the, the following fortnight. And we're going to do that. So we'll have two memberships in terms of online membership only, offline membership or combination of both. This has been an absolute gift. And uh, it's really how you interpret things. There's two versions of everyone that everyone's fighting for, a negative version and a positive version. And what's happening on this is I'm looking at this as a gift because honestly, we have to be that profitable now and look at it and go, I don't need an office anymore. We had this amazing office and we had a training room upstairs. You know, I remember my chairman saying to me, I said, oh, I want to get this Creech Castle over in Taunton. I live in Somerset. I got bored getting shot at uh, in Salford. And um, there's an amazing office there, right? And I said, it's like a castle. And I said, you know what, Terry? I want to go and hire that office out. And I want to put a four networking flag on top of that office. And you know what he said to me, Terry? He said, why don't we just hire the flagpole? <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to say, that is the watchword for everything that we've done. You know, this whole one networking, three networking, four networking and so forth. I put it under a, a banner called Network Central. So networkcentral.bizzle.com.info.biz, I think it is. Um, and actually, you know, this is the thing we have kind of, this has allowed for us to absolutely get the, the, the loony left buttoned off, the hard right and the mainstream, but doing it in a way that actually <clears throat> appeals to me. I have created a way that loony left networking works and I, it appeals to me. Same goes for the mainstream, same goes for the, the hard right. If you think about from a political perspective, for networking was centre politics. Then you've got the hard right, where's your leads, where's your referrals? Well, what we've done with one networking is it's left of, of the right and it's right of the middle. So I've managed that. And I, like I say, I think there's another thing that's probably worthwhile noting on this one is when I said I based um, for networking um, back on New Labour 1997, it's true, I genuinely did. Um, and the reason that I, that I remember New Labour 1997 so much is I was long-term unemployed. I've done two years, I think it was a stint of, 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 of benefits. Tony Blair got in. And within nine days, I'd got myself a job as a shop manager. <clears throat> and there was something about that from a leadership perspective. Things can only get better. Just give me belief. He gave me belief, the words and what that old vibe gave me belief. And I think that's something that stirred and shaped me to be that guy now where actually I realized the power of words, the open shirt, you know, approach to, to business or approach to, and, that, and I, I, I was almost osmosis for Tony Blair. And I know, History hasn't been particularly well for the kid. However, he was most certainly a massive inspiration for me on so many levels. So a couple of things. Um, uh, a couple of um, takeaways already for me is, um, and you've said it a couple of times, you know you have a problem, but solve it. Don't don't sit around just worrying about the problem. Just get on with it and solve it, which I, th I think was, was a real good takeaway. A lot of people do spend too much time worrying about the problem and, and not resolve it. Now, we talked about the switch from physical to digital. Now, I know it was, I want to use the one where I was carefully, relatively easy for you because you understood the digital world. And you understood the digital world because I, I also refer to the fact that, you know, you, you communicated with all your people through Facebook. So uh, I, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I love what this one line you said on Instagram. It's brilliant. You said, by the way, with reference to Clubhouse, this is just hysterical. 
Uh, I, I think it's your clubhouse profile. It says, um, oh, by the way, I'm not featured on Forbes. So, right. Um, <laughs> right. so I, I think for those, and I t- I'd like to take your take on this. So perhaps you can explain, firstly, um, how you managed to use social media during this sort of, this phase where the COVID was a problem. And also I'm, I'm intrigued and perhaps if you could, uh, well, maybe I can explain it. So Clubhouse is a new social media platform. It's audio only, so you can't see anyone as opposed to Instagram and Facebook. And, and, and it's, a, it's an environment where there's a number of rooms set up and people- Like radio stations, room. I think, for people who are not into it. Radio stations, little mini radio yeah, stations. Yeah, and, and then the only difference is you're invited to participate in the conversations. Like talk so, radio, yeah. Yeah. So, so you've got some, you've got some real, um, some real views on Clubhouse. So, one, what's your view on Clubhouse, and what's your view about people spending time on social media and including Clubhouse? Yeah. How relevant is that in today's sort of, today's so, sort of business? So, it's a bit like giving someone a sword. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. And I think there's so many people that are gaming people and actually using Clubhouse almost like people are commodities. You know, I said before that I've got everything that I want. You know, um, <clears throat> let me ask you this, and a binary answer, Ninda. If you are financially successful with uh, lots of cars and a wonderful big house, but you've ripped people off to afford that wonderful house and that lifestyle and the holidays and the cars, do you consider that person to be a success? Yes or no? No. Me neither, because actually that's what these people are doing. And it's a disgusting practice, quite frankly. They are selling people certainty, selling people certainty. I've never, never uh, sold certainty. And anyone that people, you know, my, my way of doing it is it's took 15 years and I had a nervous breakdown in 2012 and I had a burnout last year. And I nearly had my marriage fail 10 years ago as a result of business. That's the reality of running a business. But actually, what people want to believe is that there's some secret, some secret, some, some secret that will open up life and, and, and success to you. Well, let me tell you something. It isn't in, a, in, in the form of a 49-pound course. It might be in the form of a 12-pound book. But once again, it sold a certainty. And I think, you know, the psychology of people, uh, you know, once you know what buttons to press, I could do it. I'm a motivational speaker. I know how to inspire people. But I also know how I could take people down, make them feel worthless, that the only way they get a solution is by buying it from me. I don't do that. That's not what I'm about ever. That's something that I'm completely, I'll go back to what I said. But I actually think that Clubhouse is an amazing, amazing tool. I think that it's it's unfortunately been hijacked. And, you know, I've got friends of mine who are successful business owners. Um, and if you used to look at their profiles compared to, these people that present themselves in a manner which are, you know, as experts, um, you'd, you would definitively think that this individual is, 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 is a bigger fish when that's really not the case. I think what I would say about this is I'm the UK's number one motivational business speaker. And the reason I'm the UK's number one motivational business speaker is that because I said I'm the UK's number one motivational business speaker. Now, when I first introduced this, people were aghast. You're not the UK's number one motivational business speaker. Well, who is? Well, who is? And the reason I say that, Ninda, 
is that term motivational business speaker, business, motivational speaker existed, business speaker existed, motivational business speaker did not exist until I made it up. I made it up. It didn't exist. Not a single record on YouTube, not one. I made the term up and it sounds like it's been there for years. Now on Clubhouse, you know, hey, uh, you know, I've started 10, 1 million pound businesses. Yeah. And what the way that they do that, the interpretation is that, uh, you know, a business might have earned £100,000 uh, a year for 10 years. That's how they put it in there. Or an eight-figure earner. Are we counting the two, the two zeros after the decimal point? Oh, of course not. And this is the thing. This is, this is they're playing the game. They're playing the game. I can play it. So I'm Mr. Uh, 750 million. I genuinely, I, I could attribute my... I could have Mr. 750 million quid. I could go and borrow a friend of mine's uh, private jet and all his Rolls Royces. I did, Ruben. Right? But you see what I'm saying? I could do that. I could go and get myself a promotional video. Brad Burton, Mr. 750 million quid worth of UK revenues generated because it's true. Through the thousands of members, through four networking, we did a, like a, a really low ball back in the 10th birthday and it came at, I think it's 678 million quid generated by our members. That was 10, five years ago. So we went, in the ASA, somebody put a complaint in and the ASA upheld me being legit at 750 mil. So I could do that. I could go and get myself a three-piece suit and a big fat tie and have a photograph next to thing and people would buy my courses. And it's sad because that's not the real world, but people want to believe that there's some way. Now I've got friends of mine who are hyper successful and I've had them on Clubhouse and I asked the question, if you were selling a course, what are the biggest secrets that you know for business that you'd sell at the best? And actually, there's no secrets. The secrets is you've got to get up every single day when you don't want to, and you've got to do, do the things, and you've got to have difficult conversations like I had to, to tell people that they ain't getting paid. That's what leadership is, and you can't delegate responsibility. And yet people want to believe that they can go like Jack and their beanstalk. And also, the way that it works is this, is they sell these courses at thousands of pounds, and you think, well, why do you think it's so expensive? That's what they say to you. And you think, oh, well, yeah, I suppose you're right. And then people end up spending this money and then they're embarrassed that they've spent the money. Well, no, I did. I learned quite a lot of stuff, to be honest. I mean, you know, some of it wasn't right. There's nothing you can't find in a book. Go and go, honestly, go to the library. Every single thing that you can learn on a course, you can learn in a book. That's where I got my education. When I was on the dole and benefits, I used to go to the library and I'd read books on management. I'd read books on hotels. I'd read the New Scientist. I'd read the Times. I had no idea what it was. I couldn't understand it, but I'd... So this is your biggest chance of success, not selling it, but some course that people are selling it is disgusting. So I'm, I'm completely antithesis of everything that they stand for because they're going to end up in a coffin buried in 20 pound, 50 pound notes. And I'll tell you something, the reason that you're doing that, why would you be, you know, oh, uh, learn the secrets of passive, um, you know, of passive income? Or why are you on Clubhouse 12 hours a day if they're going to learn the secrets? You don't see me on Clubhouse 12 hours a day. So what, what am I the idiot? But once again, I'm not prepared to fight that game. I'm not prepared, sorry, to, to, to get involved in a race that I can't win. And what I mean by that is, you know, go back to the old CB radios, show me age now. The one who's got the biggest aerial wins the conversation. What, what nobody can beat me at, nobody can, can, can run this race of me being happy, me being content. And once you've, you, you, you're happy and content, you're not in a hurry, you're not in a rush. And I see too many people rushing to fail. And these people kind of um, play into that.
by giving you the urgency <clears throat> that you believe in, you end up using your own in, in her show. And th- let me be clear, the final thing I'll say on this, is that actually over the years with four networking, I've stumbled across so many people, no one in the UK, no one in the UK, I'll bet money on it, has had more 10-minute one-to-one appointments with small business owners over the last 15 years, not because of the nature of four networking and our format. And I've seen people whose lives have been ruined by these tow rags selling certain to 60,000 pound courses. You know, I'd want Obama and, and Jesus Christ to be selling me the Dead Sea Scrolls for that kind of money. Do you know what I mean? It's just wrong. It's all kind of wrong, Linda. Just, just um, uh, I'm not going to disagree with anything you've said so far. Um, I've been on there a few times and, uh, and when I've popped in occasionally in and out, the same people are there and they've been sitting there for seven, eight hours. And it's got, it Linda, is Linda, Linda, can I just jump in? Let me tell you what they do, right? I know what's going on there. They've got burner phones. They're running burner phones. It's like a Russian thing. Uh, they've got burner phones on and they are doing split shifts. So what's happening is between 10 and 12, I'm running the room whilst everyone's on the thing. Yeah? 12 till 2, you come on. I then go away, leave my phone on there. And what happens is as you come through the door, is we go, ah, Ninda, oh my gosh, boys and girls, we are so blessed to have Ninda Johal on here. This is amazing. Ninda is, is absolutely an amazing speaker, but not only that, he's an amazing entrepreneur. We really need to listen to him. Ninda, tell me what you, you know, from, a, from a, your, your experience and your success in business, what would you say? Well, thank you so much, Brad. Uh, it's wonderful what you're doing here, achieving. Uh, first thing I'd say is, you know, over the last 15 years, what I've done is I've invested in myself, whether it's courses, whether it's workshops, whether, and it's this. And then what's happening is they're playing the game. This is what's going on. They've got like a little cabal going on. Now, let me explain something. The problem is with this kind of stuff is you're selling yourself out for money. Is the selling out last forever? The money doesn't. What I'd urge every individual right now is to go and type in your favourite clubhouse clown, type in their name plus the word scam, see how you get on, and type in my name, Brad Burton, plus scam, see how many records you find. Either one, I've got good lawyers, or two, SEO, or three, I'm not a scammer. I'm telling you people, people need to do the due diligence. It's disgusting. And relax. <clears throat> now, we're going back to uh, physical events. Um, Social media has been good in, for those of you during this interim period in communicating to the world to say you're still around. Mm. Do you think physical networking is here for good? Uh, because obviously people said LinkedIn and all these other things would replace it, but that clearly didn't happen. Um, so, so, so my guess is uh, networking will continue. Could you give maybe... Uh, you know, just three tips because I, I know we're rushing for time here. Three tips on if you walk into a room, what are the three biggest tips you would give to someone who's new to networking? Just three tips, please, Brad. And then I've got a couple of other questions for you. Good. So, first and foremost, everyone was a new boy, new girl once, right? Including me. That fear that you're feeling, everyone's gone there. And when you hear somebody speaking, you go, oh my gosh, they've got an amazing poem in the 40, 60 seconds. It's amazing. Listen, everyone started new and you've got to understand that. Um, let me ask you this as well. Would you, and I'm going to ask you, Ninda, would you pass a lead, a referral, a job, a contact to someone you don't like, someone you don't know, someone you don't trust yet? No. And I get asked, I guess that multiple times. I get asked that multiple times. Of course. So on that basis, think about it. The reason that people pass you leads, you referrals, you jobs, you contacts, are people like you and they know you, they trust you. I don't care how good your offer is. You know, what you need to do, you need to create the conditions where people buy instead of you selling. And also, you can't bore someone into a sale. (laughs) I see too many people in networking trying to bore people into a sale. 
So there's a three there. One thing I'd say about this is that face-to-face -face is back, right? And what I mean by that, let's be quite clear here. Online has been good. It's been functional. We've done really well. But in some respects, it's a bit like drawing a picture of a sandwich when you're hungry. You know, we are all looking forward to getting back to seeing people, to giving hugs and so forth, fist bumps and all that sort of stuff. So it's always going to be a factor, online networking now, permanent fixture, because I look at it. Uh, and it's always going to be permanent fixture until the point it's not a permanent fixture. If it's deemed that it's not going to work, and I actually believe it will, the idea that I'd do like 40 meetings in the UK and go to 1,500 miles, when actually... I can do that on occasion. However, I can also teleport to Scotland rather than doing a two-day flight. I think we've got a halfway house now, and I think it's it's a brave new world. Now, you're also, uh, and you referred to it earlier, so I want to grab some more tips off you, um, that you do a lot of keynote speaking. Mm. Um, so most people, if they're going to get on in life and in their career, they, they're going to have to deliver presentations at some point. You can't avoid it. Um, so three sort of tips for people when they're presenting, whether it's to a big audience like you do or to an audience of six or seven, you know, just three sort of key tips because yeah. I want to grab a couple of other little bits before we wrap up. So, so first and foremost, you've got to start somewhere. You know, I have been told I'm going to speak to a room of 80 people back in the day when I first started. I get there, there's seven people, 80 chairs. And actually, you know, that's where you learn. This is a contact sport. You don't learn how to box through reading a, a, a book. You learn how to box by getting punched in the face, right? So actually, I see people come along and they want to skip the steps. They want to call along. I want to speak at zero. Can, can you introduce me to the guy who got you? No, I've spoke two and a half thousand times in public. I've been in, in brewers' fairs where the barista's making noise while you're presenting. You know, kids screaming, plates getting dropped. And that's what you've got to do. And so you can't skip the steps. In order for you to be a, a speaker, start somewhere. Every opportunity you've got to speak, start. You're always learning. Um, the other thing I'd say is so many people believe their story needs to be heard. Right? And that's fine. But once again, the booker's person, their priority is not your priority. Oh, sorry, vice versa. Their priority is not yours. So what you've got to do, let me give an example. Uh, this, is, this is one of the things that I teach. Um, um, when I first started out, right, I want you, to, I want you Ninda, to, to, to score these things for me on a scale of one to 10, okay? When I first started out 15 years ago, before networking, my reputation in this field was what, on a scale of one to 10? One. My assets, photo, showreel, this kind of stuff was what? One. My credibility in terms of people saying, Brad's amazing speaker, and my books and this, that, and the other was what? One. My experience, having never spoken in public, was what? One. Right, you fast forward now 15 years. My reputation in the small business world is what? So what was the top level? 10. Yeah, everybody knows you in the small business market. Right. 10, yeah. Everybody knows my, you. My, my assets, photo, showreels, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I've seen them all. Brilliant. 10, 10. yeah. Right, my credibility. I've spoke over two now. You know, I've got amazing endorsements from amazing people. What would you say? One to 10. 10, yeah, yeah. And my experience. Spoke over two and a half thousand times in public. What would you say? Yeah, 10. Right. That experience. That, yeah. So, so that, when I first started, was four out of 10. Fast forward 15 years, it's now 40 out of 40. Welcome to my Brad Burton's race, because that's what we've just done. Reputation, assets, credibility and experience. Sales pitch, that's what I train people. But do you see, so once you realise that, that actually what can happen is that you can then work out what we've got to do, where the gaps are, and that's the way forward. So don't expect the phone to be red hot, regardless of how amazing you are as a speaker. 
regardless how amazing you are as a speaker. And the final tip I'll give you on that one is don't bother speaking to the wife or showing her your next, your next thing that you're working on and, and trying to present to your wife or your husband. You know why? They'll laugh at you and you'll end up arguing. You <laughs> cannot do this talking to a mirror because you end up being like Steve Wonder. Can't look in the lens. Right? <laughs> you have to do this in real time. It is a contact sport. You've got to get punched in the face. You've got to die. You've got to die on stage to then go, okay, what did I like best? What do you do next time? And so many people die on stage and say, I'm never doing that again. I've died loads of times. And that's okay, like... Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to ask you, have you ever died on stage? Oh, totally. The worst one ever. True story. It's, it's 30 seconds. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, go for it. So I was over in uh, Cambridge and um, uh, working on, on a, this, this big company. And there was 200 staff there. And I went to the... I was there speaking at 4 o'clock on a Friday. Uh, I drove all the way to, to Cambridge, seven, eight hours. And two o'clock in the afternoon, I go into the urinals, two guys there, staff members going, well, this is... And they're both talking to each other. It's supposed to be motivational, what a load of rubbish. And I said, I'm not like David Brent. I went, hey, guys, wait till later before you made that judgment. What is going on? This was going back six years ago. And uh, then they had the sales director come on. We had sunglasses on and, and, and Hawaiian shirts and because the future was so bright. And, and everyone's like laughing at him and he's thinking laughing with him. They're not, I'm watching it, the bear pit. So anyway, the managing director is supposed to introduce me, the UK's number one motivational business speaker, this, that and the other. And he can't find his cut of card. He goes, oh, it's just some fat bloke from Manchester. So I walked on 200 people and I've got 45 minutes and I am dying. I've got nothing. They're not responding. They are like, nah, I've got nothing. And I'm like 25 minutes in and all my best jokes are falling flat. And I went, <clears throat> I think this is fair to say this isn't working, is it? Rather than being the UK's number one motivational speaker, I should be the UK's number one demotivational speaker, got the first laugh. I said, it's interesting, you know, there's times in your life, and I thought this on the fly, which is wonderful. I said, there's times in your life where in the department, you know, you hand a piece of paper off to someone or a problem and it comes back down to your desk and you've got nowhere to hide. I'm in that situation right now. And as a motivational speaker, I'm supposed to find something positive in everything. And I said, I've learned something today. Did you know what I don't know that is? He says, yeah, go on. I said, never do a job in Norfolk. Goodbye. And walked off. And I got a big round of applause. And my <laughs> ears on the photographs were red. They was glowing red. I even left my 500-pound microphone, Schneiser, whatever, Schneiderhauser thing that I left and just gone. Like, I swear, like, horrible. Like, the worst day ever. But what I always asked, how did I, you know, how would I learn from that? And now, yeah. you know, when you get punched in the face, metaphorically as a speaker, you kind of know how to deal with it. So... Yeah. I, 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 I don't die anymore, but what I do is I find a way through, which is once again. Uh, just uh, last couple of questions. So, you, you know, you spoke about, and I think you're up to right, over the years, you've probably had more one-to-ones with small small businesses. Now, they constitute 95% of the population in, in terms of business. So, a couple of things. Um, why do you think quite a few of them fail? Um, is it about mindset? Uh and, and, and for you, if they, they ask you, what does success look like? How do you answer that question when an SME says to you, I'm struggling, um, what does success look like? So- I got it, I got them. Yeah, yeah go on, off, over to you. So 94% of businesses fail in the first decade, 94%. I've been going for 15 years, no MBA, no college degree, no investment, no you know uh, hedge funds, none of that, nothing, right? All I had was, was, was three things. Ideas, vision, and belief. It's about belief. It's about belief. It's about belief. And if you don't 100% believe, 100% believe in your business, don't get upset when other people don't 100% believe in your business either. And that's the problem. So many people have got their eye on the, on, on the way out. Well, if it doesn't work, we'll go back to my old job. 
or if it doesn't work out, get rid of the safety net. Oh, I've got six months worth of savings. And the problem is, is as the savings start decreasing, so does the belief. And I've managed to somehow get myself into this almost misguided self-belief mindset. Now, let me explain something. You can't delegate responsibility, right? You cannot delegate responsibility. And if you're, ah, we need a marketing team. Let me tell you something. No marketing team is going to do better at marketing your business than you are. That's the reality of it. So if you can't be bothered doing it, neither can they. And I promise you, it's like a chocolate fire guide. You believe that, oh, I've got this digital marketing team. What they're going to do, they've got this Facebook advertising and they can do this. And Let me explain something about it. It's great if you're Pepsi Cola Schweppes and you've got a three million pound budget and you've got someone who sits on analytics all day. If you're spending 300 quid, I promise you, you've not got someone who's, who's really right. going to be. Um, what do I have to say to you? But I hate selling. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You are a salesperson. I hate selling. I hate selling. I don't consider myself a salesperson in any way or form. I swear to you. Mind I'm not a salesperson because I do it clunky. When I start talking about money, my, my toes start curling up. And uh, what I would say about this is that you've got to be a salesperson because if you don't sell, you've got no business. And the problem is, is this, is that, you know, um, I see a lot of people go into these businesses and you are a commission-only salesperson. Is that what you want to be? No. Well, what do you want to be? I want to be a business owner. Well, guess what? Before you get to be a business owner, you've got to be a commission-only salesperson. Is that what you want? And you might as well be really honest with yourself because you're going to get self-doubt. You're going to get a whinging wife. But what I would say to you is this. Where you end up in your life is a direct result of your decisions, good ones and bad ones. And let me explain something. I'm an expert when it comes to small business. I'm an expert when it comes to speaking. I'm an expert when it comes to book writing. And I believe an expert is someone that has made all the mistakes in a particular niche field. So if you want to be an expert, you're going to have to make decisions. And if you get it wrong, it moves you one step towards being an expert. If you get it right, it moves you one step towards success. You can't fail. And when it comes to decisions, the reason that people don't make decisions is they're scared of the wrong ones. What did you just say? You know, I, I've spoke to thousands of people over the last year and not a single one of them when asked said to me they had a global pandemic on their business plan. All these smart people that spent money on this, that and other, not a single one, not one, not one. So we spend so much time worrying about stuff that doesn't come down the track. And actually, it's not about that. It's about that ability to move fast. And I'm going to share with you now, this is what changed everything for me, right? One, uh, what does this make possible? I wrote on a piece of paper, and I swear to you, I've got it in this, I, I must dig it out. I've got it on an A3 piece of paper. What does this make possible? And I did the business plan for four networking online, right? What does this make possible? Get yourself a blank piece of paper. What does it make possible? This is not how this story ends when it gets tough. Another thing I'd say to you is this. When it comes to making decisions, this is something that Bentley Global use their management team. Um, and the reason that Bentley Global uh, use it is because I taught it them. Brad Burton, the former drug addict, Brad Burton, the guy who got shot at the four years. I'm sorry, not that Brad Burton. The other one, the, the, the UK's number one motivational business speaker, four-time best-selling author, entrepreneur. Do you see two sides of the same coin? But anyway, let me explain. When it comes to making decisions, I'm the easiest person in the world to sell to because I will make a decision in 24 seconds. If I can't make a decision in 24 seconds, I revisit in 24 minutes. If after 24 minutes, I can't make a decision, I revisit in 24 hours. If after 24 hours, I can't make a decision, I just made a decision, it's not important, next. That is how I got us through this as a team. Because actually nobody knows the future. No one's got a crystal ball. Nobody can, can work out what, what the future holds. So what you've got to do, it's a guess. No matter how elaborate your business strategy is in your 89 page document, which you never even got out of second drawdown, you spent thousands of pounds with PwC. This is the thing. It's your ability, your decisions that are going to dictate your outcome. My decisions right now, I'm a different guy to the guy that I was when I was 20 odd years old. Fundamentally, there is a battle going on with each and every one of us. A battle, there's two versions of us. There's the good version and there's the negative, destructive version and constructive. And I have managed 
to focus on this good version more than ever before. And that's what you're going to have to do. Not the, oh, everything's terrible, but actually bounce out of bed and go, everything's amazing, whether it is or whether it isn't. You know what? When I started my business off, £25,000 in debt, a wife that told me to go and get a proper job, a bank manager that laughed in my face, no one gave me a chance. No one gave me a chance. No one gave me a chance apart from me. I had an almost unwavering, misguided self-belief. It was probably borderline mental illness. And that's what you're going to need to get through. Final question, Brad. Three top tips for an entrepreneur. So just walked in, sat yep. down. Brad, first time I've come here, I want to start a business. What are your three top tips that you would give them? So first one is it's going to take you four times longer than the BS that you've told your bank manager and your wife, right? And you might as well have a foreword by J.K. Rowling on your business plan. It is a work of fiction. Pointless. Absolutely pointless because things change on the minute by minute. It, number two, if your only motivation is money, you just lost. I swear to you. See, when I first started you know, my motivation was to get my family out of effectively yeah. poverty. And that's what I've done. But it wasn't about flash cars and this, that, and the other. But if that's where you're, you're, you're at, I promise you it's not enough. And I'll give you an example. If I said to you, Ninda, there's a 50-foot uh, gap to, to, to get over when it's got all lava and broken glass and you've got to do it barefoot. And at the other side of that is your, your dream car. Would you do it? I wouldn't walk bare feet anyway. If your children were at the other side and they needed saving, would you do it? Yeah. Right. That's the difference. And that, boys and girls, my tattoos of my kids is why. So when I put everything, my mindset, I've kind of locked it into this whole thing and said, right, this is not about making money. This is about making a difference for these lot. So consequently, I will do whatever it takes. And that is how I managed to do it. So if you, uh, that's number thing. And number three... <clears throat> You are your best chance of success. You're your best chance of failure. And actually recognize this as tempting as it would be to be looking around for support and help. You've got to be, there's no cavalry. There's no cavalry unless you create your cavalry, which is what I've done in the form of thousands of members around the UK. Mr. Brad Burton, entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker. UK's number one keynote speaker, UK's number one motivational business speaker. There you go. Articulate, a good friend, and a total inspiration. It's been fantastic, fantastic speaking to you. And listen, have a great remainder of the day, and have a great week, and have a great year. Thank you, Ninda. Let's keep going. Cheers. Thanks.